Welcome to Spotlights, the podcast for the domestic abuse sector. I'm Colette Eaton-Harris from the Safe Lives Knowledge Hub, and over the next seven weeks we'll be shining a spotlight on lesbian, gay, bisexual and trans victims of domestic abuse. Our figures show that the prevalence of all types of abuse amongst LGBT clients is higher than those who do not identify as LGBT. And yet LGBT people are hugely underrepresented, both within domestic abuse services and at Marrick. In our most recent figures, only 1% of cases at Marrick were noted to involve LGBT people. And informed guidance would suggest that in urban areas, we should expect a proportionate representation of 10%. Our figures also show that LGBT clients are almost twice as likely to be abused by multiple perpetrators, or twice as likely to report historic abuse from family members, and show much higher rates of complex needs, such as substance misuse, suicide attempts and self-harm. And this presents us with some pressing questions about how the sector can better reach out to and engage with LGBT people. With this in mind, I spoke to Jude, who manages the National LGBT Domestic Abuse Helpline for Gallup, the LGBT plus anti-violence charity. Today I'm at Gallup with Jude, the helpline manager. Welcome, Jude. Hello, thank you for having me on this uh, podcast. So, Jude, we're here to talk to you today about the National Helpline. Could you say a bit more about what the helpline is and who it's for? Sure, yes, I can. So, the helpline is broader than just a helpline service. We, I think, predominantly are known for being a phone line um, service, but we also offer email support and we also offer web chat support. Um, um, and we find that sometimes people who are are even feeling nervous about picking up a phone and speaking to somebody will start by contacting us via web chat or via email and that acts as a stepping stone to our helpline service where they can speak to somebody um, over the phone about the situation they're experiencing. What we offer as part of those three services is we can work with somebody on a a phone call um, for up to an hour to really go through their situation and circumstance and um, help them unpick what is happening um, and we can also then follow up on that uh, conversation that we've had with them by perhaps exploring some choices that they might like to move forward within their local area and contacting those local services just to confirm with them that they are open and happy to work with LGBT people or to explain that we have a particular caller who would like to access local services but they're worried about how they might be perceived by the local domestic violence service and just to kind of get some reassurance for them that it's fine that the service is totally open to taking a referral from you know from them uh, and they're and they're ready to talk to them and we'll also send self uh, self self-help resources um so we can do i think from that one contact we can do quite a lot of um, helpful work for someone yeah. who's just at the beginning of their journeys of, of help seeking. Um, and we refer to our Domestic Abuse Partnership Programme, mm-hmm. which is a London-based caseworking service and mm-hmm. advocacy service to support anybody who is um, at high risk of domestic abuse to access counselling, housing, um, court support, uh, which is very, very helpful, I think, to people who are uh, you know, in total crisis with uh, domestic mm. violence and abuse. Well, we know that LGBT people are hugely underrepresented in 
domestic abuse services. So it's really useful that your service is able to help bridge that by mm. you know making that initial con- contact and you know in- encouraging your callers to then you know take it further with a, a local domestic abuse service. Yeah, I th- I think so. I've. I think it's quite useful for us to think about that the thing that our contacts or callers come to us with or the gateway into other services of them is, is sexuality and gender. That is the, the starting point for their whole interaction with any services and that's where we should meet them. Um, and often people feel very reassured by the fact that it is a helpline that is run by the community for the community. They will always be talking with an LGBT plus uh, member of the team and that is where often people want to start. They just want to start with, I'm in you know, a gay relationship, I'm a bisexual person and I'm in a relationship with a, um, a woman. They don't want to have to explain that to somebody. Mm. They just want that to be understood. Um, and from there, we can explore the dynamics of the abuse, which can, you know, often the same or very similar as violence against women and girls um, abuses. Uh, and then we can go to the local services and say, we have this person, they want to want support and how will you be able to offer that to them? This is the kind of things they're experiencing. And, you know, nine times out of ten, the local service is like, absolutely, sure, we've worked with lots of LGBT plus people. Send them over, um, and then we're able to do that. But the starting block is gender and sexuality mm. for the call, and that's where they want to begin the discussion, and that's where we should meet them. And I think you have some stats here to give us an idea of the... The, the breakdown of calls that you have been receiving? Yeah, so I was looking at the helpline statistics for 2017 and looking at who is contacting us and what are the kind of issues that they are presenting us with. So looking at those that have called us who are survive, surviving um, domestic violence and abuse, 62% of our callers are women, 35% are men, and 12% are trans or non-binary. Um, and... I think those categories could be explored a little bit further, um, which I think we will be doing going forth with our monitoring and data collection. For men, it's when they call the helpline, it nearly always is about intimate partnership violence from their partner, current partner, or from their ex-partner. Um, for women, it is more complicated than that. Sometimes it is um, a, in an intimate partnership, mm but it could also be childhood abuse that is now the trauma of that is is causing them issues in the current relationship that they're they're in it could be a a male member of the family that has been abusing them Mm -hmm. especially if they're a young caller and they're in you know they're they're coming out they're in their first um relationship lgbt plus relationship or they're questioning their gender identity yeah um that's not uncommon because we do get quite a lot of young callers so it's being kind of aware of who the callers are and who is who is doing what to whom who is abusing Mm. who um so that is those are the the callers that we get we also get i'd say about 10 percent of our callers um may be perpetrators or they're self-identified perpetrators or when we speak to them and explore their situation it isn't clear that they are the primary victim so um, I was just thinking that mm. our own insights mm-hmm. data, you know, shows that uh, LGBT people are much more likely to experience abuse from multiple number of people, to have multiple perpetrators mm. kind of identified. And I guess that 
um, echoes then what you're describing that for some callers they there will be historic abuse mm. either from previous partners mm-hmm. or from family members mm. as well as perhaps a current yeah. abusive relationship definitely and when we look at our trans callers we can see that they there is often significant risk from multiple perpetrators so that I think for trans men uh, in particular they appear to be very much at risk at family violence and domestic violence from an intimate or current partner so these two things are coming at the same time yeah um and it is really worth us knowing that and exploring that further so we can offer them the best support Mm. they can get could you give us an idea of some of the calls your helpline workers might take then yeah i think perhaps i'll pull out some of the things that i as the the manager have found interesting and would probably like to explore further. Um, one thing is around, it's not uncommon to get calls around how immigration status is being used as a tool to abuse somebody. So uh, somebody could be coming from a country that has very homophobic institutions and their partner is constantly using that as a tool to threaten them for deportation um, and the truthfulness is if actually they do go back to their country of origin that is homophobic and, and yeah. they have been outed, that is a, there is a very, very serious consequence for them. So that is something that we see yeah. as a, a power tool that is used all the time. So for some people, they might be having to make this really awful choice between do I just stay with the abusive partner because mm. actually that feels more manageable or less frightening than going back to... Yep. Um, yep. you know violence yeah or worse in my own country definitely and I've heard people literally say that like here I know what the uh, harm risk is to me mm. if I go back I don't know what will happen to me mm. um, and that is you know a very very challenging position especially if a perpetrator knows they have that level of control and power over somebody yeah. um, so that is not an uncommon type of uh, contact or call we might receive uh, another interesting thing for our helpline is that 40% of our callers last year were under 24. Now, that is very young for a domestic violence and abuse helpline. The demographic tends to be older than that. And there appears to be real vulnerability about being a young adult who's questioning their gender identities, questioning yeah. sexuality, uh, maybe having their first intimate partnership in the LGBT community. Yeah. Um or they might be experiencing domestic and sexual violence with a family member yeah. at home and are questioning and coming out at the same time. Like these three things work together to mm. cause real vulnerability to violence and abuse. Um, and I also think we have such a high level of young callers because uh, because often they may not have an LGBT community around them at all. Yeah. They want they often they want to speak to a person in the community. They really want, that's a very important thing for this demographic. Um, because they haven't got a group of friends that are all... Yeah, that's so interesting because what we usually find is that young people tend to just talk to each other mm. and don't um, don't proactively call services. Mm. And for that can be a huge mm. barrier for services mm. to reach out to young people. So, um, it, so it's really interesting that you're seeing that actually because they have a lack of that peer group, mm-hmm. then that's motivating them to make contact with you. Yes, definitely. Um, and also they seem to be very, 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 very vulnerable. They're in a situation of questioning something new to them, that they maybe not be out to everybody. And that can result in some people 
preying on them yeah, as absolutely. they do in many other contexts. Or they may well be questioning their identity, coming out and experiencing domestic or sexual violence from a family member at the same time. So you're looking at these two issues of the trauma that's been caused yeah. by the existing abuse that's been happening to them mm. as, they're, as they're looking to venture into what is an unknown world yeah. for, for them too. Um, so that is a group I would definitely like to see more work done for uh, and, and with. Um, something else that I've really found, something that I would like, I'd like to explore more is that I noted 33% of our callers are people of faith. So then when we look at the casework service over the last five years, that went up to 50% of their casework were people of faith. So there yeah. seems to be a real overlap of having some type of religious faith and being um, part of the LGBT community resulting in a, or and then having a domestic violence relationship, that though that combination yeah. seems to be very significant to the callers that we're getting because perhaps people who, who have faith and are part of the LGBT community, we cannot go back to their um, faith groups and be expected to be supported. Okay, that's not always the case. Mm. But that may well be the experience for many, and that's why I think we receive so many calls or contacts from people of faith. Yeah, and you can just see how there is a an overlap there of two potentially really big barriers. So to to come out as LGBT mm. to your faith community, mm-hmm. there's obvious barriers there, mm. and then to disclose domestic abuse, there are also barriers there for mm. many people. There. Mm. Um, you know their faith will talk about having a commitment to your partner and mm. not speaking out about mm. these kind of things so you can see when those two things converge mm. the messages someone might be getting about you know keeping quiet not disclosing yeah, definitely or them or them being kind of written off as like oh that's so and so they're super complex and uh we can't really help them and actually not recognizing that the relationship and the abuse they're experiencing is exactly has the same characteristics mm. as a relationship, you know, a traditional heterosexual relationship, mm. uh, and marginalising them even further yeah. within their in their church community. Um, I think I mentioned to you that sixty one percent of the people that make contact with the helpline cite that they have a disability, and of that sixty one percent, eighty one percent cited mental health as being a disability. So there's, and anecdotally, we have a lot of people that are talking about. Um, suicide, having suicidal thoughts, planning suicide, uh, have self-harmed in the past, are self-harming, very, you know, severe symptoms of mental ill health. A lot of have um, formal diagnosis um, already attached to them, which has been um, a surprise to me, actually, Mm. to see the the, acute level of mental ill health. Obviously, how can you live a domestic violence without it having an, you know, an impact on your mental health? But this has been has symptoms that have, have I think really need exploring mm. for for this particular community. And I that really echoes our own findings in terms of the the, the differences between uh, people that identify as LGB or T mm. and those that that don't. And mm. we are seeing that real difference in reporting mental health mm. difficulties. Um, which, you know, you've described there some really complex issues that would then have to be, you know, considered or bore in mind when, mm. you know, when reaching out to LGBT uh, victims of domestic abuse. Yes, definitely. And I, 
um, I think it's it's complex as you know as when we look at domestic violence and abuse generally mm. it's complex it's nuanced it's nuanced and what the violence against women and girls sector have done a really good job of is really exploring those nuances considerately and carefully and we'd like the same to be done for the abuse of LGBT plus people as well so we make sure that we really you know we look at that group of young coming out yeah um people and make sure that we carefully meet their their needs effectively um so with that in mind then if uh if there are professionals that you know have referrals for lgb or t people or are thinking about how they can reach out but are thinking this this is not an area i feel confident in what can the helpline offer those people um professionals are absolutely encouraged and welcome to call the helpline themselves we get a lot of calls from professionals just wanting to soundboard something that's happening or i have a particular situation with the client and would like some um uh, a conversation and some advice around what is the most appropriate things to do next and we welcome those calls and professionals like feel free to make contact with us um you know no question is a silly question at all and i'd also say to professionals if you're working with LGBT plus um, survivors, please do encourage them to call the helpline because we are able to offer a listening service to them um, alongside any additional support that, that they were receiving from their local domestic violence service. You know, they please do encourage them to call them. They'll always get through to somebody who's part of the community and understands the nuances of violence and abuse. Um, so I would say professionals, Feel free to call us. Um, victims and survivors of LGBT plus or LGBT plus community do call us too. It's a free phone number. If you don't want to phone, you can email us. You can also use the web chat service too. That's great. Thank you so much, Jude, for talking to us about your work here on the helpline with uh, Gallup. No problem at all. Thank you for inviting me. The National LGBT Helpline is available on 0800 5428 Monday to Fridays. For more information on the opening hours, the web chat service and a specific trans service, please visit www.gallop.org.uk slash domestic abuse.